Welcome back. I want to take a quick second to tell you about our sponsor of today's episode of North American Deer Talk, CNE Wildlife Products. CNE Wildlife is a trusted leader in biotechnology for the cervid industry. They offer microencapsulated bacteria products that are research supported through Texas Tech University. With more than 30 years of experience and commitment to all natural probiotics, this product line continues to be a mainstay in herd management programs across North America. And the reason is simple. They are passionate about the cervid industry. They have products for elk, whitetail, muleys, red deer, and more. With products ranging from Fawn Paste and Electromax to Guardian Plus, Whitetail Energy Pack, Jumpstart, or their ever-popular Top Score Extreme, they just flat out work. We've been a CNE Wildlife product user for more than 15 years. To learn more about CNE Wildlife, check out episode 54 of North American Deer Talk, a probiotics masterclass with CNE owner Sadie Horrocks, and give her a call today to start using the products we do here. Hey, it's the Deer Wizard, host of North American Deer Talk. I want to tell you about a great new advertising and research platform that we've developed for you, CWDbreeding.com. You know, as the deer industry continues to mature and develop around chronic wasting disease and its known genetic heritability, resources like CWDbreeding.com become essential tools for deer managers across the country making decisions about their herds. I really wanted a platform that excelled at hosting GBV and codon markers in a filterable and searchable manner, but I also wanted to have high quality pictures, videos, ages, scores, NADAR numbers, and a whole host of other information to go along with that. This database puts everything in one easy to find location and allows you to access the industry's greatest genetic resources. I look forward to seeing all the great bucks that people have to offer in one easy to find location, cwdbreeding.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of North American Deer Talk. I don't have a ton for you today, but I wanna run through just some uh, quick things that I thought would be of interest um, kind of as we progress through uh, the summer months. So I suspect everybody at this point in time, no matter where you are in the country, if you were expecting fawns, you have fawns. Um, so I understand your time is, is valuable. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you very much. Appreciate you. Um, if you're not a YouTube watcher, uh, and you're maybe listening on the podcast, uh, all of our shows are being transferred over on Rumble. They will slowly start popping up. If you're a Rumble um, viewer, awesome. We're going to start posting over there all of our content. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, thank you as well. We're on Amazon, Google, Pandora. No, we're not on Pandora. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts, we are. Um, check out the Instagram page, Servid underscore solutions post over there almost every day. We've been posting our YouTube shorts. If you're not following us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. It will just ping right into your email box 
and you can get a fun little video. Some days they're cool, some days they're instructive, uh, sometimes they're just for fun. So anyway, um, I want to make sure that all of you know about the Servid Solutions newsletter. So the newsletter is a monthly newsletter. Uh, June was our first uh, release of that. And we released that with uh, a, a free day pass, if you will, 24 hours of access to the Lifecycles dashboard in the Service Solutions membership area. Uh, that's where we have all of our educational content. Um, some of you that got in there decided, hey, this is uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And we saw you sign up for the membership. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Um, that goes you know, directly into the, the Servit Solutions pocketbook, so to speak, and that helps keep this, this show going. So I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and that membership's 60 bucks for the year. So uh, we feel that there's certainly $60 worth of, of uh, education in there, and we are working uh, every day to add more content. I'm finishing up... Um, uh, vaccine schedules and uh, protocols for elk, mule deer, red deer currently. Um, if you have any of those species and you're interested in about uh, a health program generally and then you know specifically focusing on disease and vaccine, just holler at me. We'll, uh, we'll walk through it and uh, we'll kind of go from there. But back to the newsletter. Sign up for that newsletter. It's right on the homepage of servitsolutions.com. Um, throw your email in, you'll get those. Um, you'll also get access to North American Deer Talk Plus. That's a new podcast we've launched. It's uh, similar to this, but you're gonna get more tailored content on very uh, specific topics that we feel are seasonally important. So next month we're talking about diagnostics the importance of diagnostics, how we go about um, getting diagnostics done, um, and, and then kind of what we, we do with the results from those, how we develop long-term farm protocols. Um, if there would be a lot more people raising deer, pigs, sheep, goats, etc., cetera, um, if it was easy, it's not easy, right? Like we, you can, and I'm sure every single person that's listening to this that has deer has experienced um, hardships on their farm or, um, you know, things that make you go, why, right? So I just have a little note here that says, ask yourself why. And um, it, it can be kind of two parts, one to the first one that I just described, but um, I'd like to, I'd like you to look at it in a little different respect and every decision that you make at your farm or ranch has kind of these implications down the road. And what I found in my time doing this is this kind of stacking effect or, or stacking of, of these functions to, you know, create better outcomes. So I'll give you an example. If you, if you decided to feed and you knew that the deer were eating four pounds a day and you were giving them two, 
um, you would expect something to happen relating to that, right? Or if you put um, plastic trash bags in your pen to hold leaf litter, you would expect something to happen to that. And you're like, what, what the heck is he talking about? Well, if you put plastic trash bags in your pen, those deer are going to chew on them. They're going to swallow them. There's going to be health issues. If you feed two pounds a day and they should be eating four, they're most likely not going to perform to their genetic potential. And you're doing yourself a, a disservice by um, having an animal that can uh, produce, whether that be does giving you fawns or bucks growing antlers or whatever metric it is that you use, um, they're going to be producing less. So um, when you look at all the little things that you do, and there's, you know, you would think, oh, this is kind of basic, but having a, an audit process or a review of those things is, is important, right? So let's say, um, let's say you have some smaller pens, right? And you have deer that are excitable in those smaller pens. And every day they're just stressed out. Uh, but they do fine in larger pastures. Well, you could make a conscious decision to move certain animals into certain places if they will, um, if you do something, they will return that value to you, right? So is it worth the time, the effort, the expense to put those animals in a certain place and treat them a certain way? Um, you get that return out of that. And, and then it's not just you, like, do they provide you something? It's the animals that surround them, the conditions of your farm, the environment in which these other animals uh, have to coexist with that animal. And I'm just using that as an example, right? Um, so just every everything you do, think about it, right? Um, I, know, I know people feed those uh, apple and oat treats uh, that Purina makes. We fed them for a long time. They're really expensive now. Um, they were like 10 bucks when I started feeding them. They're like $25 a bag now. And the bags got five pounds less. Um, I, 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 I just don't feed them anymore. The deer really like them, right? So just imagine a scenario where you're overfeeding those. Uh, what is overfeeding them? I, I don't know. But just imagine a scenario where you know, there was deer eating, you know, 50 of those a day and they weren't consuming the, the feed. Now there's nutritional value in those, but I would suspect that if you have a high quality uh, feed that they would get more nutritional value out of that. So you're taking away from that. So you make this decision to feed something in excess because you're like, oh, we're giving treats and the deer really like it and they do they come up and we love interacting and like, I, I get there's some benefit to that, but like um, they're not producing because they're not eating the feed. Well, you're gonna see, you're gonna see the results of that action down the road. So just ask yourself why, right? And start start looking at the, the things that you do around your farm and, and ask those questions, right? So I'll give you an example. Here's, here's one that I had to, uh, I had to deal with. I am dealing with it, right? So a bunch of years ago, um, this I just I couldn't take it anymore, and the squirrels were like just in my feeders all the time, and I removed a 
pretty good portion of the, the population uh, over a summer. So I pull in the other day here, and this was a while ago, but I pull in the other day here, and there's like six squirrels. I got trough feeders. They're, I don't know, whatever, six, eight foot wide, right? I pull in, and like the feeder on the one, um, in the one pen is like, I don't know, 50 feet, 100 feet, 50 feet. Um, off the fence line, right where I park, right? So I pull in, and these squirrels are like stacked up there in the feeder. And they're just, I see them pop, 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 popping uh, corn in their mouth and whatever else, making a mess. And I was just like, no, no more. So I have a, I have a two-sided, it's, it's kind of like a have a heart, but it's only like four inches tall. They call it the squirrelinator. Yeah, the squirrelinator. Um, it can catch some squirrels. Anyway, so I put that out. Um, I baited it. Three minutes. Boom. There's a squirrel. So out. Anyway, long story short, um, I got like four or five squirrels out of that pen the first day. And um, the other thing that set me off is I was feeding in another pen and I, I walked in. Usually the squirrels run off, right? And a couple of these squirrels, I think they were younger ones because they were smaller. They're just sitting there like hanging out, like waiting for me. They like hop out of the feeder and I go to dump a bucket and they're just kind of like standing there and I'm just like, oh. So anyway, um, there's another one hanging out right on the outside of the feeder. I like peek around. It's just there like three feet from my face. And I'm just like, you guys, that's it. So, you know, I was making a, it was subconsciously, um, probably not a good idea at the time. Uh, I was just letting the squirrels kind of run free. Um, I'm going to kill all these squirrels, right? Like I, I'm not, they are, they're eating way too much feed. Who knows what they're doing in the feed? Poop, pee, stuff like that. Not interested in that. They make a mess. Um, you know, there's feed that's getting, you know, knocked out of the feeder. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't want them. They're destructive. Um, so I'm making a conscious effort. I'm saying, well, why should I, why should I get rid of these squirrels? Well, they're eating all my feed. You know, it's 27 cents a pound or whatever the heck it is. It's not cheap. Maybe it's more than that now. I don't know. Uh, I did just get, get a feed bill and uh, we're uh, 40 bucks a ton cheaper than we were in. When was the last time I got a feed? Maybe May, end of April, something like that. Um, that's significant. So anyway, I don't, I, I don't follow the grain markets. Maybe some of you do. I don't follow them at all. I just, I need feed. I have one feed, it's really good feed, and um, I order it. I don't really care what the price is. I, I need it, and that's what I get. But anyway, so getting the, the savings was cool. Um, anyway, make those conscious decisions. Everything that you do, ask yourself why. Why should I do that? Or what, what, what value is that going to bring back to me? Uh, what are the consequences of these actions that I do? And as you do that, um, and you start putting all these bricks and you start stacking them on top of each other, you're going to build a really, really, really uh, serious uh, foundation. So, um, and ultimately, I think that that provides for a good long-term uh, benefit for your farm. So anyway, just some quick thoughts on that. 
Um, speaking of uh, nutrition, um, I was working. I was working on. I, I'm not a nutritionist. I've said this before. Um, I think it's very important that you don't take the Mills, um, what they're making for you for granted, uh, and just say, oh yeah, feed's good, right? Get a feed analysis done. If you're getting um, bulk or bagged feed, there's a tag there with the minimum and maximum allowances for each of the products that gives you an ingredient list, et cetera. Um, I really want to know independently what those animals are putting in their mouths as I feed it. So we get feed brought in bulk. I add soybean oil to it. Um, and then I feed it. So after I put the soybean oil in, I collect sample and I send that off for analysis. Um, minimum once a year. We have two feeds that we feed, so we do a we, we change up things in the um, in the fall, yeah, end of summer, fall. Feed that up until spring, and then hop over to the the um, the summer blend, spring summer blend. Um, you should get those analyzed, right? And that'll you'll know if something's off because you can't. It's hard to see, right? And you don't know if you're like if you got something that's just not jiving, there's a level there that's not kind of matching up or it's not falling within the, you know, uh, the analysis that the, the mill has provided to you or the, the tag on the bag. So do that. It's worth doing. Um, don't take the mill's word for it. Um, seen quite a few people. I've been working with people and they're just like, oh, yeah, it's this. And. You know, you go test the test the feed, and, and it's it's um, it's just as true on commercial, you know, Purinas and record racks, and what I'm I'm not calling any particular feed company out, um, as it is in the small mills with the custom blends. Uh, get your feed get your feed analysis done. Um, it'll it'll shore up any any holes in your in your nutritional game. Uh, and it's important. So do that. Uh, random parasite screenings. So there is always, and, and the thing that sparked this on for me is, um, you know, we all interact and, and I try to follow up on the uh, Deer Farmers group on Facebook as I'm an admin. And, you know, people post um, issues with fawns on there all the time. And, and um, that's a good thing, right? Like we're all, we're all here to, to help each other. Um, and I've seen quite a few fawns that um, are just, you know, somebody will post and be like, hey, these fawns were fine one day and they're flat out the next. Um, I was working with a guy, I was working with a couple guys, uh, but one guy in particular, and he was having this issue and it took some time and some diagnostics and, and you know, necropsies and sampling uh, to figure out what the problem was, but it was a parasite problem. And, like, you just would never... You'd never guess this in these fawns because they were nice and perfect and normal and big and, you know, no diarrhea and boom, right? Um, so this, it's, I think it's, 
I think it's worthwhile to do just some random fecal sampling. Fecal tests at labs are, are pretty inexpensive. Um, you know, if you, if you see a fawn, you know, poop out in the, the pens and they're, you know, they're maybe a little loose or um, if you're bottle feeding, you know, doe fawns, uh, you know, grabbing samples, pretty simple. That'll teach you a lot about what's kind of going on at your farm um, over, over time, right? So you do these for, you know, you do a couple each summer for a few years and, you know, you kind of find the problems that are going on and then you can put procedures in place to make sure that uh, those problems don't happen or if they do happen, you're prepared to deal with them and um, it'll just make you a better, better manager, uh, better, you know, animal husbandry um, implementer, etc. So check that out. Random fecal samples. You can do um, fecal floats for parasites and check for bacteria. So anyway, keep that in mind. Um, there are lots of state labs. Some are better than others. Um, but if you, I think if you want to, well, I'll just pitch the newsletter again. We're going to be doing diagnostics uh, next month, we're going to talk about this in depth. Uh, there'll be some articles on this, uh, so sign up for that newsletter. You'll you'll get access to. Um, we just did a, a full, you know, I think I don't know, it's eight or ten minutes of uh, video where we show all the different swabs that we do, how to pack coolers, all sorts of stuff. So you can access that in the in the uh, Service Solutions membership area. Um, so. I just want to run through, run through some events and then just give some final thoughts on something that um, I need clarification from all of you on because I still don't understand. So you need to help me on it. Um, and I'll try to remember not to, not to forget. Um, so we have some events coming up and, and the reason that this is kind of on my brain is I've been seeing some posts and I've been kind of, you know, looking at the shows that I want to attend um and kind of as they're coming up so uh let's see indiana no uh neba neba has their uh 33rd 33rd i hope i hope it's the 33rd um annual uh, elk convention international antler competition sioux falls south dakota it's at the end of July. I don't remember the dates. I should have it here. Uh, we talked about it on a previous show, but um, I'm going to try to get Travis uh, back on or maybe somebody from the NEBA office and uh, chat specifically about that convention. They got a whole host of um, speakers scheduled in. It looks like it's going to be a great event. We're going to go out to that. Um, I uh, I really like elk. I think the elk market is, is a is a key part of our, our cervid market as a whole. And I think that they have a ton to offer cervid farmers and, and ranching here in the, in the States. Uh, we've also been invited to speak on uh, chronic waste and disease in whitetail deer and see if there's um, some parallels into the, the elk market and some of the things we're doing and so on. So honored to, to be able to present out there on that. I'm gonna start working on my, my thoughts and my presentations here. I will also uh, be doing that presentation uh, for all of you. Uh, hopefully, have some visual references so you can watch that, and, and we can kind of work through that 
together. So that's at the end of July, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, and then you got the uh, IDFA, Indiana Deer and Elk Farmers Fundraiser and Picnic. That is um, August uh, 4th and 5th. You got Kayla, the Kentucky Alternative Livestock Association. Their summer showcase is uh, the following week. We got um, TDA stuffed in there. TDA, TDA, TDA. When is yours? 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, right? So that's in San Antonio. We're going to be going to that one as well. Always enjoy going down and supporting the Texas folks, getting our booth set up down there for Servant Solutions and saying hi to everybody. So TDA always puts on a good event. Check that out. Um, and they they can they can use the support. They're they're in a battle right now um, with with all the stuff they have going on with with CWD. I think it'll be a an interesting conference. So check that out. Uh, uh, Louisiana Whitetails of Louisiana. They got their uh, uh, I I forget what they call it exactly. I should have it in front of me. All these all these uh, all these states are going to be yelling at me that I that did a poor job representing these. Head down to the Whitetails of Louisiana event. I think they do a big crawfish boil. Um, I need to make it down one of these years. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it this year. Um, save a spot for me next year. I want to come down. Um, Pennsylvania. Uh, PDFA is having their event. It's a, a two-day event, uh, 14th, 15th of September. Uh, we have some great speakers coming in. We got Dr. Davin Henderson. We got Dr. Chris Seabury. We got the Department of Ag. There's going to be a ton of updates. Great education. We got fundraiser. Excuse me. We got breeder stalker auction day one. We got a big fundraiser and presentations day two. We got a dinner, two day event. Appreciate your support. Anything you can do on that um, to help out uh, PA. We have we funded a ton of projects this year. Washington D.C. trips, Colorado CWD symposium legislative dinners, pack fun events, um, you know, uh, cornucopias in the, in the, in the capital. Like we, we've done a bunch. Um, unfortunately in the world today, everything is expensive. Everything's even more expensive in Pennsylvania. Um, it's one of them, you know, Northeast, Northeastern states, uh, stuff's expensive. Anyway, we've been spending some money we, we are hopeful that um, those who are members of the Pennsylvania Association uh, are seeing the benefits of that. I think there's a ton of really big things that are going to come out of Pennsylvania uh, in the next three to five years relating to chronic wasting disease and uh, commerce and regulations. So stay tuned for those. Uh, we are working on those with the Department of Ag. Uh, exciting times here in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, Texas Top 30 Southern is the week after in September. Um, and then you got Chup Sale. Don't miss the Chup Sale. Chup Sale is a good one. I, uh, I always try to get out there and, and, uh, hang out with the Indiana boys. It's a, it's a, it's a good time. Of course, it's kind of, you know, it's in that Shipshawan area, so it's kind of centrally located. You get some guys coming in from, um, you know, Iowa, Minnesota, Dakota, stuff like that, which is cool. So always good to, to catch up with everybody. 
uh, just before Christmas. And then we got uh, Northern Top 30, Texas Top 30. Uh, we got the High Roller Sale, uh, DBC's uh, New Year's. I mean, it's just endless, right? Oh, I've, I missed I missed DBC. DBC has a uh, their annual convention at the end of uh, August. So um, anyway, there's tons of deer events. Try to go and support the ones you can. Um, it's it's always good. There's educational seminars. There's all sorts of cool stuff that happens there. So uh, check those out. Last thing, this is the thing that I wanted to ask you about. So it's and 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 people will. People ask me, well, why do I bring this up? And why are you so critical of this? And isn't it a little dispassionate of you to make comments about these things? Um, so I'll present it in a question with some, some commentary afterwards. I want to know why there are so many bottle-fed bucks that I see in the Whitetail Facebook groups. So if you bottle-feed bucks... I would love for you to send me an email or shoot me a message on Facebook or whatever it is and tell me why you do that. Um, I just don't, I don't understand what, what you're doing with them, right? I don't understand why you do it. Um, is it a disease prevention thing? Do you have a, a urine collection facility? Do you have research projects that you're doing that you need tame bucks for? I'm just... I'm curious what that is. Um, our, our industry generally is not over 90% of our industry is based on stocking properties and hunting. So I, I just don't, I don't see, I don't see how it's advantageous to have these bottle-fed animals. Maybe it's a management thing. I don't know. Somebody help me out. Um, the other thing is, is I, I've seen a couple people um, get pretty tore up by bottle-fed deer, antlers on or not. It's not safe. So anyway, just th think about that. Somebody, somebody educate me. Um, have I bottle-fed bucks in the past? Yes. Um, I'm, I'm, Totally fine with trying to bottle feed a buck to save its life. Like, I get that. But, like, I see guys, they got like, they got like 10 bottle fed bucks. It's like, why? What do you, I, I don't know what you do with them. What do you do with them? Do people buy those? Tell me. Somebody fill me in. Anyway. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm being serious. I, I want to know. Um, t tell me, tell me what you do with them. Um, cause I'm, I'm curious and, and I guess the second to the second point is, is I am constantly, um, advocating for deer farming and ranching in state capitals at conventions and events outside of our, our industry, but for our industry. Um, this is something that I do on a volunteer basis. So I don't get paid for it. Um, I mostly do that through Pennsylvania Deer Farmers Association. I've attended some Nadifa events, uh, doing that as well, and and going on my own as a, a private private individual. Um, it's it's difficult to 
separate the deer farm industry and the deer ranching industry. The farming industry of raising animals, breeding deer, the ranching industry of stocking and hunting, right? So the, the gap, we as an industry have done a poor job, in my opinion, of telling the story of what we do. Because it's hard to go from an animal with a bottle in its mouth to some guy um, or gal holding a buck that they just harvested. Now, I think many of us know that that's not necessarily the case. So like I bottle feed does, um, not in big numbers anymore, but I, I still bottle feed does. We have a couple does that are on the bottle for various reasons right now. Um, they're gonna be added into our, our breeding program. We prefer them to be um, a little more calm and docile. I had to pull one because mom breached and anyway, um, and I get it. I get it. Like that's part of the that's part of a management strategy. Um, those animals aren't going to be um, aren't going to be stocked on a ranch, right? Like they'll live their lives as breeders, and when they're done fulfilling that that um, that duty or part of their life, we call them, and then they go in our freezer and we eat them because they are absolutely delicious. Um, and that's a great that's a great kind of outreach because we give away a lot of venison too right um family friends cook for people like those are all like that's that's a great thing um but it's hard to advocate for for that and when you have people that um, maybe don't understand hunting they don't hunt uh, they're not outdoors people maybe they're city people um, they don't get it and then they bring up words like uh canned hunt and you know those those things become challenging to uh, defend, right? And and we want to make sure that we operate our businesses in the in the most uh, moral and ethical way that we can. Again, if you have if you have um, certain management things that you do um, that you need to bottle feed, I, like I, really let me know. And it's and it's it's um, it's for me to develop my own uh, education on this so I can better advocate not only for my farm but uh, for this industry in whatever capacity I can to make things better for all of us so I'll leave it with that uh, it's always great to talk uh, with you all check out all our resources um, if you think the show is great share it out we appreciate you all hope you're having a great summer if you need anything holler at me I'm here and with that we'll wrap up Stay tuned for another episode of North American Deer Talk.